Assistant Professor Dr. Kasad Yahuzar Babel, uh, who is uh, here today to talk about a few things. But uh, look, look. So, so I did a really great, um, really great uh, wor- workshop the other day, um, and uh, it's making me realize that there's a thirst for information, and rightly so, because um, I'm finding that uh, a lot of things people need to be aware about, um, they're not. Um, and so um, uh, they, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased by the level of interest I'm finding among people um, for, um, for information and knowledge. And so I'm really thinking about figuring out ways to uh, reach out. This podcast is one way, but uh, other ways to reach out to folks and share with them the uh, knowledge I've, I've gained over the past you know, 30 years or so doing what I've been doing, uh, owning a couple of businesses, you know, I'm doing a little bit of teaching now, so that's keeping me apprised of uh, what's happening in certain industries. As you know, um, I'm not a big fan of financial f- theory or finance theory, um, but um, at least I'm, it's not mainstream theory. Yeah, I'm, I'm warming up to it a little bit. You know, these expected values or whatever. But um, so yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really uh, I'm really getting excited about the opportunity to to jump out there and begin to uh, share my uh, my knowledge with people and, and and you know help people develop keen insights like what I want to do is uh, share with people um, the knowledge I want to teach people uh, the importance of certain fundamental accounting and finance principles and how they can be used to create wealth because I'm finding that a lot of people you know a lot of people out there teaching stuff and doing stuff and you know, I'm, I, I applaud anybody out there trying to help people, but I'm finding that a lot of people, man, is false prophecies, you know, false prophets. And, or, or, or maybe they just don't have the appropriate, they haven't interpreted the gospel of finance <laughs> the appropriate of way. Wealth, of wealth building. Yeah, wealth building the appropriate way. And, and you know, it's kind of, you know, we, we've had conversations about academicians before, and... Um, you know, I, I'm finding that um, in in so many ways they don't seem to share information the way I think it should be shared, or they present a very, very uh, narrow viewpoint, or maybe not narrow new, uh, viewpoint, but a very focused viewpoint, and don't give people context. And so I think, you know, lacking the context, what they say. Um, can be taken many different ways. For an example, uh, Boyce uh, Watkins, uh, was talking to someone earlier, who said that um, he was talking to a prospective client and, uh, you know, was got to the point where he was discussing his fee and, and, and the prospective client said, oh, well, you know, uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins teaches us uh, that uh, we should avoid fees, right? And it's like, wow. 
is that what voice walking's teaching people not to you know pay for services right it and probably it, wasn't even what voice said well but what he was talking about was like avoid unnecessary fees like banking fees or you know other types Credit of cards fees. With fees yeah yeah you know what i mean which makes a lot of sense but when it comes to i'm you know i would i don't think he meant you know avoid fees, fees of someone life. yeah you know so um but even dr boykins has uh said things that I find a little suspect, but, you know, um, we're not here to talk about Dr. Boyce. Watkins. I mean, he's one of the top um, well-known and recognized um, carriers of uh, financial, uh, I guess, knowledge. He's somebody that people seek out. Carriers of financial knowledge? Well, That's how he's seen. Well, that's how he's perceived. Is that how you see him, or uh, that's how I see him being seen? <laughs> but, but my question, good brother, was: Is that how you see him? Well, that brings us to, I guess, our topic of today, where not just him, but the overall—I guess you could call it now an industry. There's an industry of, of of financial wealth information. You know, there's the Robert Kiyosaki's—is that his name? Robert, Rich, yeah, yeah, Robert Rich or Richard, yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah. Then there's uh, there's Boyce Watkins, there's Claude Anderson, and the list goes on. And the industry is starting to remind me of um, church, of religion, with all these celebrity pastors and people jumping from church to church and pastor to pastor, looking for a fill to that void. And I think that the approach that people are taking is wrong. I think if we get people to take a non-religious approach to wealth building. We won't have to uh, concern ourselves with the false prophets. Well, let the me ask you this. Let me that. ask you this. So, so what would be a non-religious approach? The approach I'm taking, right? Oh, what's your <laughs> approach? <laughs> well, like I said, you know, my approach is to teach people the fundamentals of accounting and finance, and let them and teach them how to use that to make the decision. Because basically, from my perspective, everything's a decision or a choice. Correct. And if if you want to maximize wealth, then you're going to look at the choices and say, okay, which one maximizes my wealth? And is that choice open to me? Can I do that now? You know, there might be times when the choice that maximizes your wealth um, isn't something you can do. Um, maybe there's some other limitation that makes it impossible for you to do that. But and you don't think others are doing that? You think you'd be the first? Um, <laughs> you're trying to put me on the spot. Well, look, I'll tell you this, right? So. <clears throat> You mentioned Robert, whatever his name is, yeah, Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? So I read his book uh, in 2000, in some 2000, 2001. I was asked to read it um, by uh, someone I was working with, uh, working for. They had asked me to develop a financial literacy program. And I told them straight up, I'm not into financial literacy. Um, I think people, because, you know, I know people who are literate, but don't read. So I can imagine someone being financially literate, but not follow the right. what financial literacy suggests you do, right? So I told him to me, um, and I had read a book called The Richest Man in Babylon, which was a really, really interesting book, great book, right? Um, for anyone out there, it's by George Clawson, I believe his name is, um, authored by George Clawson. But it's a really interesting book on, like, yeah. he might come up with seven principles of wealth creation, right? But his focus was, th it's wealth creation. Okay. And that's what I always realized, that it is, it, it is about wealth creation. And <clears throat> pardon me. And I was telling the person I was working for that, you know, let's teach wealth creation because that is an objective. That's a goal. 
financial mm-hmm. literacy. There's no goal. I mean, right. uh, you know what I mean? But, you know, That's he was, a means. Right. Yeah. He was saying, well, you know, but unfortunately, funders are financing, you know, foundations, right. you know, are, are funding financial literacy programs. So we created a program. We called it Financial Literacy Gateway to Wealth Creation. He asked me to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad because it was really hot then. And I read it. And it was nice, some interesting things, you know. Um, but he made, uh, in that, he made some comments about real estate, you know, houses are liability, real estate investments aren't worthwhile, just some really dumb things about real estate that made no sense to me, right? Um, now, I've been told, I met someone who's a, a disciple of, of okay. Kawasaki, um, who said his, his opinion about real estate has changed somewhat, and he does support real estate investment. Then it was like you shouldn't even invest in real estate. Um, but, but he's still telling people that a house is a liability, right? So you have him, right? So I would say he's a false prophet because he is disseminating false information. A house is not a liability. A house is an asset, right? Okay. Um, there's another guy, Dave Ramsey, who is out there who you know, has a huge following telling people things like, you know, um, you know, uh, the first thing you need to do is start your emergency fund, then pay down debt. And I'm telling people that doesn't make sense. Why should you put $1,000 in a savings account that's going to earn 1% um, if you have a credit card that you're paying 15% or more on on your balance sheet? It doesn't make sense. You're losing money. You're losing like 14%, right? Um, but the people who are disciples of <laughs> Ramsey they can't see that either because he has so instilled in them this method of, oh, you need the emergency fund because you don't want to get into debt. Well, no, you need an emergency fund, but you need it after you're out of debt, especially if the debt that you have is a credit card and it's in good standing, which means meaning that if you paid it off, you could still use it because if you used $1,000 to pay down a credit card, you could use that if an emergency happened, right? But right. people can't see that. Oh, no, but then, but the purpose is to get out of debt. Well, you know, no, no the purpose is to maximize wealth. Now, let's look at it. So, um, from my perspective, I don't know a whole lot about and there's voice. there's more examples. Right. That's just a few. But I don't, I can't, I can't come up with any examples from voice um, right off the top of my head. Um, I actually don't know anything about his material. Right. You know, I, I, I know him as a person and as a researcher and as an academician. Uh, as very an academician, smart. oh lord! I know you don't like academics, but uh, he's, like he's sharp and he, he's he's well, practical minded. He's not sharp. ivory tower type guy. Um, he he's he moves at a faster pace than the typical professor. He can stay current better than the hardcore researchers. Uh, his research is not outer space theory type stuff, but he's focused on practical market based stuff. So based off what I know him, I would expect that his material would be pretty good. I've never been to any of his seminars or seen any of his stuff. But he's another example of somebody who's well-followed. So what you're doing, uh, what you're saying now, is speaking to my point, there are these people out here who have great followings, like you said, and their messages are flawed, which would speak to the fact that the sheep are in some sort of religion when it comes to money. Well, I mean, you know, the reality is, I, you know, a lot of people... Um, you know, as you know, your your um, 
the fact that we started talking about this or say we we're going to talk about this led me to look up the word religion. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, let me see. I have that so here. So we'll work with that definition and see right. um, what do we mean or what do I mean? Right. A religion is defined as a set of beliefs concerning the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe, especially when considered as the creation of a superhuman agency or agencies, usually involving devotional and ritual observations, or I'm not, I'm sorry, not observations, observances, Mm -hmm. and often containing a moral code governing the conduct of human affairs. So, um, So you're saying that money is a religion or some people i'm saying the people's approach to uh the pursuit of money they approach it in a religious fashion and the first part of that definition a set of beliefs concerning the cause nature purpose of the universe uh there are other definitions of religion that might use the word faith in there Um, i think there's a big element of faith um unscientifically supported faith in fact when it comes to the pursuit of isn't all faith unscientifically supported no the definition of faith is not lacking science the definition of faith is that there's a belief involved but that belief could be informed by science but if it's if it's informed by science then it's no longer faith it's 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 fact like evolution is a faith-based thing you can't replicate that in a lab to do the scientific method but there's evidence that people feel suggests support for evolution so there's a faith aspect there as well that's that's a that's that's a conversation for another time. But that's is. an interesting one, though. That yeah. So we have to mark that. But as we can all important. agree that faith is often part of the definition of religion. As uh, well. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and but, so you'll see that with people's approach to money, right? Yeah. So but, but what, faith, what's this faith in Kawasaki coming from? Well, because a lot of other people is it following the crowd? Is it because he's on TV and has books that are bestsellers? Which is all part of following the crowd. Right. The same thing you'll see with the Omega pastor. Right, exactly. So, 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 wow, this is interesting. And so you're suggesting I need a crowd. In I'm order suggesting to you need to recognize that the, the sheep that you want to reach are religious. And so coming with better information is not how you become their new pastor. How do I become their new pastor? I don't know. I think they need to stop being religious when it comes to money. So, all right, so what does stop being religious when it comes to money mean? Right, so this is where I want to go. I think the reason why people are religious when it comes to money is because they see money as a type of God. So it's actually quite natural to be religious in their approach well, because they somewhat worship the is object. It money isn't money like a type of God? Doesn't it give one what they want? It, in a way, it does. Um, so it would make sense that they would be uh, religious about their deity. So is that a bad thing necessarily? Or I well, mean, you're trying to have a more scientific, accurate approach, and I think uh, they're not going to get the facts that you have to offer when they're being uh, very religious with their observances and their rituals in regards to their deity of money. So let me ask you this: let's um, let's break it down for our audience, and let's make sure everybody understands what you mean as you describe this religiosity mm-hmm. with money. So, how what what are some of the rituals and observances that you see people, you know, performing, right. doing as it relates to money? 
Um, so a wide array of things. One example comes to mind is buying lottery tickets, which is oh, a really? negative expected value investment. It's not a, 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 but a wealth wins. building strategy. But someone wins. It does. Uh, so you're going to sound like a, hard, uh, a false prophet. If you tell your people <laughs> buying lottery tickets is a good idea for wealth building. Well, no, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying it's a it good idea. It builds the state's wealth. Not it does build the state your wealth. Your people's but, wealth. But, but, but there is a winner, generally. I can't win. No, no. I can't win. <laughs> that was supposed to be no. my obvious example. No, no but I'm saying, I'm saying that, that, but, you know, this is one of those instances where there's some science behind the faith. Uh, no, I'm just saying that there, there are winners. I guess the, the point, though, is the probability of winning is so low that it is really a stroke of luck. There's winners at Vegas, too. Right. And part of the reason that Vegas has the crowds it has is because people worship money. So these are examples of where I see ritual observances. Um, the fact that people do anything for money. Um, there's a bunch of uh, YouTube videos out there, people pranking uh, gold diggers. So they'll rent out a Bentley, try to pick up a girl, they'll go flawlessly easy, and then they'll expose her. You know, it's clearly you like the guy because of his money. Um, so there's all sorts of areas where you'll see uh, the love of money is, is something of a religion to people. Again, uh, to be clear, money is not evil at all. And desiring money, I don't see any problem with that. I just think if you, if you have a goal of building wealth, you need to have fundamental accounting and finance principles. And religion can get in the way of that. All right, so so that's kind of interesting, right? Um, wow, you, you you hit something, you hit a point that I wanted to come to, right? Because as I recall, one of the areas that you study is behavioral finance. That's actually my specialty, right, behavioral finance. Behavioral finance. So this is like the psychology of finance or whatever. Correct. And how markets. people. Are. All right. So 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 um, when it, in, in in the field of behavioral finance, what can what can you are there certain behaviors, human behaviors that kind of like um, illustrate what you know yeah. what behavioral finance this is, is all about? Excellent question. Yeah. So if you if you take the field of behavioral finance, you will see certain psychological biases that again support my assertion that people have a religious faith, superstitious type approach to, to money. So uh, one example would be something called the disposition effect. And the disposition effect is a fancy term for the notion that when your investment strategy succeeds and makes money, people attribute that to their own skill versus when the strategy uh, fails, I guess, and their returns are negative, they attribute that to unfortunate luck and will never look at their own mistakes as, as, their, as the problem. So there's a, a dissymmetry there, asymmetry between when your investments are going well, you think you're a good investor. When they're going bad, oh, bad market, bad luck. And that would be kind of a, a self-deceiving arrogance that a lot of religious people have. Like if you wanted to apply the church example, these people live however they want and think they're going to make it to the pearly gates. This is the same thing people are doing with their money and their investments. Well, I know we're not talking about religious religion now or religion religious. Right, that's but, an but, analogy but, but, for money. Yeah, but, but, but an interesting question, though, is like, you know, and, you know, I'm just going to say this and then we can keep going. But I thought that um, as long as I repented and asked for forgiveness, I will 
make it through the pearly gates. Well, most of the biggest churches with the wealthiest pastors would agree with you. And I think that they, sells. That's how they got to be the biggest church. I think that idea sells. And the wealthiest pastors, So that's right? a great analogy for then what would sell the best when it comes to teaching people about money? Hmm. Work hard, save what you can, be a conservative investor, take calculated risks. That doesn't sound like it sells. What sells is it's quick, it's easy. I did it. Anybody could do it. That's what sells. Well, that's interesting, you know, because actually it is. That's the gospel. It's the, la- it's the former set of, I don't know, behaviors, you know, be conservative, right. manage your money uh, prudently. Right. Um, Start an investment club where you put $50 into a mutual fund with those lotto tickets you buy every week, the whole block, you know? That's a good point. That's a good point. But see, now how do you get. How do you get people to start thinking like that? How do you get people yeah. to think like that? I mean, so my whole point is once they, they have to drop the religious attitude about money. How do you get people to drop a religious attitude? They have to stop worshiping money as a deity and then they actually can obtain it scientifically. But all right, how do you stop worshiping money uh, religiously? Yeah, that I, I don't have a solution for. I think they need to have, uh, I guess, replace money with a different deity. It seems like people are kind of hard, hardwired to worship. A lot of humans are, maybe not all. And you can't just make them not have any deities. So you got to give well, them a deity. Well, actually, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting. You're saying it seems like humans are hot-wired to worship. Or hardwired. Hardwired, yeah. which means that it is something in them. Correct. That they are wired, like a computer would be wired to right. do something. Uh, all right, so um, that's interesting. I guess if you looked at most civilizations, um, you would find most had a deity. That's right, and it was very central to the civilization. And so what you're suggesting is that in Western cultures, maybe Eastern, but you know we're Western, and that's what we can talk about mostly, but especially right. Western American culture, yep. Um, the dollar That's for the a deity. lot of people have become the deity even even when a supposed supreme being whose son was on a cross Correct. is the deity that is being advanced so to really they're polytheists they're they're polytheistic, they, so they right. have their Christian deity, they have their Jewish deity, they have their Islam deity, which is second class to their money deity. So money is the, the and supreme. What's funny, just being. just to throw this out there from a Hebrew perspective, we're still talking about money. Um, the word God, or pronounced God or Gad, uh, in Hebrew it means prosperity. So when people say God in general and they're referring to a deity or the deity, they're actually talking about a specific Phoenician deity that was the deity of prosperity and wealth and fortune. Wow. Phoenician. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. So Phoenicians are like the ancient Canaanites. No, no, no. All right. Let me ask the questions, good brother. (laughs) Because you're dropping all this this stuff. I was just trying to slip it in. you, You mentioned, you mentioned, a Hebrew word for God. So what I'm saying, God is a Hebrew word. God is a Hebrew word. For example, if we spoke Spanish, we wouldn't say God. We would say Dios. Dios, right. But but you're saying... Which is a way to but say wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me get to my point, right? You're saying a Hebrew word, God. Correct. Which meant 
to the Phoenicians? Well, which means Are in ancient Semitic languages. So that includes the Phoenicians, the Hebrews. Phoenicians were Semitic? They spoke a, a, a so-called Semitic language. Oh. Their letters are almost exactly the same as, as Hebrew. Hebrews. Yeah. Wow, wow. They're in the now, same region. My understanding was that the Phoenicians were of a... See, you can't even... You know, it's impossible. Let's not even go there. Well, that's, <laughs> for another, that's for another conversation. All right, so um, this is so interesting <coughs> and amazing um, that... Uh, all right, so, so I guess the question, and we got off track, was how do you get people to decouple the the attic <laughs> say that <laughs> if that's a word remove the concept of deity from money and stop worshiping money right and and then you say which ironically would actually help them obtain it in a more scientific and rational manner all right so so the first step so how, how and, and you mentioned you didn't necessarily know how to do that but I suggested that they need to replace their deity because they're hardwired but, to worship. But how, do you, but how do you replace the deity? So I need to promote Yahuwah. Okay. And once they get a new, better deity, then money doesn't have to be their deity, and they can use the scientific method, fundamental accounting, and finance principles to invest their money rationally and avoid all the behavioral biases that are well documented in the financial markets. All right, so you mentioned one behavior, uh, behavioral what was it? A bias. Bias. Behavioral yeah. bias, which was disposition. The disposition effect. Is there another? Are yeah. There other? Let me give a few examples. Nothing too complicated. Stuff that people could easily. Well, wait a minute. Are you suggesting my audience uh, isn't sophisticated enough well, to understand? Well, you know, you talk about these <laughs> academics being in the ivory tower, so I just don't want to yeah, do that Yeah, but I mean, I've never people. said, I never said that you were. <laughs> I never <laughs> oh, included. Oh, okay. I'm accepted. Okay. I've never included you in that group yet. Now, I haven't well, read, let me give I another read example. I haven't papers yet, but. Um, something called. Uh, what would you call this? You could call this the glamour effect. So um, glamour refers to things that are shiny, hip, chic, in style, current. And when it comes to the stock market, people seem to value glamour firms more than fundamentally sound value firms. An example would be an Apple when a new iPhone comes out, uh, Google and Facebook IPOs in the early 2000s. These were very hot for the markets, even though at the time these were expensive stocks versus some real values out there. Some of the things that a Warren Buffett would invest in are far less glamorous. They're business to business. They don't pr create products that people are familiar with. And so the average consumer invests like a consumer in glamour firms to the, uh, I guess, uh, ignoring uh, more fundamentally sound, cheap value plays that would have high expected returns. But I guess that would seem to suggest, though, that um, there is a that that creates a self fulfilling prophecy, because if everybody follows the glamour, then the value the, the, the that bids up the price of the glamour stocks, and so so you would have to have owned the glamour firms before they became glamorous, which would obviously be a good move. But people buy the glamour firms after they become glamorous or as they're becoming glamorous. Okay. So that's two. Is there, are there any other um, behavioral um, biases that uh, you can think of? And yeah, I'm trying to think of some, some simple ones that fit into this idea of religion, superstition. Uh, I'll, I'll go east because we've been doing mostly American, Western-type stuff. Asia, um, a highly um, 
advanced culture for many thousands of years. China, uh, the biggest country over there. And uh, they have their superstitions in regular life, holding finances aside. One is the number four in their culture, seen as a bad number. The number four in the Chinese language and with Chinese characters is very similar to the word for death. So as a similar word, there's a connection between four and death, and they tend to avoid the number four. You'll see them avoid it uh, even in their exercises. Like if you're doing jumping jacks, one, two, three, one, two, three. One, two, three. That's how they'll get to nine. They, they won't want to count four or with Tai Chi moves. Move one, move two, move three. And then you go do something different. And then you start over again. Just uh, a, a superstitious avoidance of the word four. Well, in this, four. in this culture, in American culture, and that may be other Western cultures, 13. 13. Because there's some, so some be the buildings analogy. don't have a 13th floor. You'll see that mm -hmm. in hotels, uh, yeah. especially in party zones, where there'll be 12 and then 14. Right. Correct. Even on some blocks in Brooklyn, um, the house number 13 is omitted. It'll be 11A, Look 11, at that. 11A. So there's then, a Western yeah. um, counterpart to what yeah, I'm saying. Right, right. So when it comes to um, Chinese IPOs and Chinese firms, where the stock, so they have regular tickers with letters, but um, they also have serial numbers for the firms. And firms that have a lot of fours in it tend to be avoided by investors, which naturally means that they have a lower price. Now, the fundamental business of these firms is not going to be different just because their serial number has fours in it, but this superstition leads to undervalued firms, which if you don't have this superstition, you go in and you buy the firms that people are scared of because of the bad so-called serial number, and you make higher returns. Has anyone looked at that and said, okay, let's look at these firms that have four in their serial numbers and see how well they do over time? And they outperform. <laughs> yes. There's an academic study right. on so, that. So, there's so a that's literal <laughs> religion right there. there. There's a trading strategy for you. Go look at some Chinese firms that have fours in their serial numbers and start tracking them. Right. And if their PE is sufficiently low enough <laughs> and prospects are decent for their uh, business model and their market, hey, buy them. Okay, so that's kind of interesting. You know, I, it's, you know, it's, it's such a, it's such a, I, I often wonder why it is that we don't learn. Where is it, where is it that we learn not to I believe, right, I believe, and this is just based on my general readings and my general knowledge. Mm. I believe that there was a point in time when the purpose of the household was to create wealth. I would agree. And in many cultures, that the house is seen as an economy. Right, exactly. The family is an economy. Right, and, and I believe that that practice existed in Africa and in African yep. cultures and societies. Um, and probably in other cultures and societies too, but um, but I definitely believe that it was practiced in African yeah. societies and cultures. I would add to that that wealth was not strictly seen as monetary, but the purpose of uh, household economy was to create wealth. Right. Children were wealth. Peace is wealth. Wealth. Right. 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 Trust is wealth. Right. And all those things usually bring monetary wealth as well. Right. And and but but you look at it now and it seems that the shift health is wealth. Health is a lot of wealth. <laughs> I mean Probably with health you have wealth. wealth. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it seems like now um, 
wealth is not a focus. You know, what, I, what we're saying is that creating wealth was a focus of the household. Now yeah. it seems it's not that. And, and so I've never really well, looked marriage at as an institution isn't even there the same way. So the idea of having an extended family that practices group economics, group culture, group health practices, that's all gone. gone. Right. So there's not even the family anymore to, right. to, to have a purpose. Right. The family's gone, much less what purpose does the family have. have they right. don't exist. Uh, but Families and, are dying. And the thing is, right, so, so what I'm trying to figure out, and, and so, you know, I would argue that for people of African descent who happen to be in America, the Caribbean, yeah. South America, whatever, that that experience, the whole transatlantic slave, the, uh, that, that whole experience yeah. eliminated or decimated all of that. Like the that's, whole. That's probably true. True. Right. And so, so now, right? So Destroyed now, the, the African family. Exactly. So, so now it becomes okay. So, how do you, how do you get back to that? Because that's very key and important. And, and right. you know, we've had numerous conversations. And one of the, you know, I've been very critical of academicians um, who tend not to argue that blacks controlling the economy of their communities is important and is something that they should do. Um, oh, I, haven't, I haven't heard anybody speak against that yet. Psh, come on, all the... The people we talk about, Darity. No, he didn't speak against. Well, uh, all right, the they don't. They don't. The black they don't. They, no, I didn't say the black family. I said controlling the black economy. You know, starting businesses, local businesses. You know, when when you hear these black academicians talk about stuff, they always compare. You know, they always say, "Oh, you you um, black firms could never compete because." And then they'll list the Apple already controls them. Apple already controls that market. Yeah. Google already controls that market. They always give it, it examples of these very large companies that have dominant positions in industries, right, as the Goliath that a black business would have to go up against. And the reality is that small businesses make up 90%, 70%, a, a large percentage of all businesses. Yeah. And they also... Um, employ more people than these very large companies, but a lot of them survive. I, I will say this. I am not anti-small business. I am not anti-entrepreneurial. I am not anti-so-called African Americans uh, pursuing those things as but. a tool. But when it comes to finding a solution, which you're very focused on finding solutions, I think you made a great point that we actually need to go back and fix families and that be the first business. So broken families and single parents don't make good businesses. But you can't, I, I agree, but you have to start somewhere and given the grand scheme of things, I don't think we have the luxury uh, you of You can't not shortcut and band-aid that one. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not saying we can shortcut and band-aid it, but I'm saying um, we, we can, we can, chew chewing gum and walk at the same time so i think we need to consider how bad things are for us we need to work on multiple fronts okay that could be fair and, so and i think there's a lack of emphasis on the family as an economy 
your family is seen as actually there's no family anymore. There's dating, there's hookup, there's children out of wedlock, and then there's single parenthood. And if we saw families as to be economies, <laughs> and you happen to have owned businesses as well, uh, yeah. yeah. So if everybody was like you, we'd be in a better place. <laughs> Sad story is you are not the majority of our people. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, um, that's interesting. That's interesting. So I, I'm actually going to co-sign with you for once in my life and say I think that black businesses are very important. And the first and foremost business that anyone should have is their family business. Everybody should be born into a business and born as the next leader of a business. And that business should expand. And that business structure is the family. Is the family, mm -hmm. which means you have to have a code of behavior. You have to have company values. And, and when a man heads his family like a CEO, I'm speaking patriarchy, then that puts a business mindset into all of his employees. Um, so there's another discussion we'd have to have. If my daughter were here, she would uh, raise some questions to you. That was slightly uh, inflammatory on purpose. Just <laughs> <laughs> to get people to think. <laughs> but you know, what's interesting, and this, this, is, this is a conversation we have to have. I think the angry black man talked to me once, uh, mentioned to me that he wanted to have that conversation with you, um, which is, um, uh, there were some some African cultures were matriarchal. Um, I think um, Egypt Egypt um, may have been one, which is how foreigners were able to get into the royal bloodline or whatever mm. the royal hierarchy or whatever by marrying a woman or whatever and them having the child or whatever. I, I don't know, but I mean you know it would be interesting to to to, to go back. But I'm finding that the older I get, the more interesting history becomes. It's, in, it's so key. You know, and, and it's so amazing. And it's probably a lot. I mean, you hear about um, Alex, um, Alexander the Great burning yeah. the libraries in um, Alexandria. So-called Cairo, Cairo, Alexandria at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, I think the Arabs burning the libraries in Timbuktu. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, who knows what other libraries may have been burned? Oh yeah. But what's worst is who knows what they burned. Right. The the ages of of data and information mm -hmm. gone. Just think if and we collective had that. wisdom. Yeah. Just think if we had that. So I think using history to analyze some of these problems. Show me um a, a ethnic group or sub ethnic group or a population in America who has rampant broken families and single parenthood and children dating all over the place, and they have successful entrepreneurship culture as well. Oh, wait a minute, good brother. Wait a minute, good brother. Um, <clears throat> your uh, your cohorts, that was one of their myths, brother. You know, family, black family structure has no, 